0: Living Stones is our discipleship pathway we use to bring people to faith, to grow people in the faith and in their life, and how we raise up new leaders. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You also, like Living Stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're looking at the first zone of discipleship, the camp, where a person learns to live reconciled with other people. There are six steps in this area, the first being faith, joining God's community. Faith is illustrated by the person and tribe of Simeon. I want everyone to think back to a defining moment in your life or someone you know where a single incident created a label on a person. Maybe it was in school, on the job, or in your own family. Often these labels are insulting And middle school and high school might be the worst in terms of embarrassment. It's springtime and allergy season. I'd rather be outside than in class. And then suddenly a sneeze hits me and I sneeze all over my books and desk. For the rest of the day or semester, I become sneezy or snot boy. But grade school doesn't last forever. What might be more damaging to a person is when our own family labels us. Instead of seeing our growth, This is what we see with Simeon. Simeon will grow from a man of anger into a man of faith. But in his older age, his father Jacob will warn Simeon to watch out for that anger. Simeon's story of faith begins with his sister, Dinah. We'll go deeper into Dinah's story when we cover Levi and the sacraments, but here is the short version. Genesis 34 tells the story of Dinah being raped, by Prince Shechem of the city of Shechem. Shechem, being the prince of the city, is immune from prosecution. So in retaliation, Simeon and Levi, her brothers, kill all the men of the city. We'll go into the details of their revenge plan in a few weeks, but just at the face of it, this certainly reminds me of public responses in the last year regarding police shootings. A black man gets shot or crushed by the police, and people start to riot because they feel there's no accountability for life. Is it an overreaction? Perhaps. But put yourself in Simeon and Levi's shoes. How would you feel if it was your sister that got raped, and there was no accountability or justice? In Texas on June 3rd, Eli Binen was convicted of rape of a 14-year-old girl. He was 19 years old at the time of the crime. The girl's father expected Benin to be sentenced to 15 years, but the judge only sentenced Benin to 180 days in probation. Understandably, the father is angry. As a father of daughters, I'm angry. I'm a Christian, but I'm not perfect. If that happened to my family, I can only say how I would want to respond as a Christian, not how I would actually respond as a father. This revenge event... He finds Simeon and Levi in the eyes of their father Jacob because years later, when he gives them their blessing in Genesis 49, 5-7, he references it. Genesis 49, 5-7 says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their knives are vicious weapons. May I never enter their council. May I never join their assembly. For in their anger they will kill men, and on a whim they will hamstring oxen. Their anger is cursed, for it is strong and their fury, for it is cruel, I will disperse them throughout Jacob and scatter them throughout Israel. This doesn't sound like a blessing at first. I think of a blessing as telling someone all the good things that will happen to them in the future. But a rebuke, that is a challenge to someone to change their behavior in a positive direction, is also a blessing. The book of Proverbs mentions this multiple times. Two examples are Proverbs twenty five twelve and twenty seven five. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold, and better an open remand than concealed love. What Jacob reminds these two sons, well, Jacob reminds these two sons that they use weapons for violence. Because of that, he will not take advice for them or join them in any ventures that they are involved in. When When they acted in anger, they destroyed people and property, as well as, and did as they pleased instead of having justice as God would have it. Proverbs 14.12 says, there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end is the way of death. And Deuteronomy 32.35 says, vengeance belongs to the Lord. And Ephesians 4.26 says, it's possible to be angry and not sin. Jesus is shown to be angry, and yet he never sins. The last part of Jacob's blessing is a warning and prophecy that their tribes will be dispersed and scattered. The idea is that eventually someone stronger than them will take revenge on them. But in the time between the act of revenge for the rape and this blessing, Simeon had changed because he had been shown mercy and learned to put his faith in someone besides himself and his own strength. In his life, we'll see Simeon have faith in his brothers, which points us to faith in Jesus. The first brother Simeon has faith in is Benjamin. Simeon is redeemed by Benjamin. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole story, but it's in Genesis 42 and 43. The ten oldest brothers had sold Joseph into slavery, and in the intervening years, Joseph has moved from being a slave to the second highest authority in Egypt. When his brothers show up to buy food, they don't recognize him, but Joseph remembers them. Joseph also sees that their youngest brother, his full brother, Benjamin, is not with them. He's concerned that maybe they killed Benjamin or sold him into slavery, just like they did to him. Joseph has them arrested as spies, and the only way they can get out of this situation is to bring Benjamin alive back to Joseph. Well, Benjamin is back at home with dad, a long way from Egypt. So the compromise Joseph makes is to keep Simeon as hostage while the rest of the brothers go back to Canaan to retrieve Benjamin. Genesis 42:24 says Joseph had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. It takes some time to convince Jacob to let his youngest son, his one remaining son, uh, as far as he knows, from his wife that he loved, Rachel... But eventually they run out of food and have to go back to Egypt again. If they show up without Benjamin, not only is Simeon dead, they are all dead. Judah takes responsibility to take Benjamin to Egypt and return Benjamin to his father. We should note that Judah and Benjamin are the two royal tribes, tribes that the kings of Israel would come from. So this redemption from prison comes from royalty. Simeon's life is held ransom. By the life of Benjamin, Benjamin is completely innocent. He was not one of the brothers who sold Joseph, and Simeon probably didn't have a choice in the matter. But Joseph chose who he wanted as a hostage, and in order to be saved, Simeon had to have faith that his brother Benjamin would be willing to come and redeem him. We cry out for justice when we when we see injustice. But what's also lacking sometimes is the willingness and the time to to for someone else to give their life for someone else, maybe because we don't think it would do any good. You know, it's only been in the last year that we've started to see people calling out others saying, hey, you can't harass that person. He doesn't do anything wrong. Stop being a racist. And we all need to take stands like that. But it's more difficult to take a stand like that when my own life might be on the line. You know, it's easier to stand up to someone who we call a Karen, you know, than three people in a pickup truck chasing one man or four police officers. If any of us stands up in those situations, we might just be a substitute death or just another added death. But like Simeon, I need a substitute. In John 8:34, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. But 1 John 2, 2, says he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but those for the whole world. Benjamin was a substitute for Simeon because Joseph might have kept Benjamin to protect him from the other brothers. Life for life. Jesus is a substitute that gives his life for ours. Then he has the power to take his life back again. John 10, 17 and 18. Jesus says, this is why the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Just as Benjamin willingly offered his life to save Simeon, so Jesus, the son of God, offered his life to save me. John 8.36, if the son sets you free, you will be really free. Simeon is saved by faith. It's a good thing that Benjamin showed up. Simeon had faith in Benjamin for his redemption, and Simeon also has faith in Joseph. Simeon is forgiven by Joseph. When the brothers return to Egypt, Genesis 43.23 says, Joseph has forgiven the debt they owe for the food they had previously bought, and he brings brings Simeon out. When Simeon is brought out, there is no mention of him being mistreated in any way. But the forgiveness is not complete. Joseph gives them one more test to see if they will protect the life of Benjamin. After they pass the test, in Genesis 45, 4 and 5, Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here, because God sent me here ahead of you to preserve life. Joseph forgiving all his brothers, realizing that God used their wicked actions despite them to accomplish something good, the saving of his family. Joseph was not under obligation to forgive his brothers. They hadn't even asked for forgiveness. But as the injured person and the person with authority as a prince of Egypt, Joseph in his kindness grants forgiveness. I remember my cousin Stacy once wanted to do something kind for a group of the younger cousins. She was going to drive all the little kids to the zoo. She got the car keys and they all got in the car and she started to drive just as she was caught by the adults. Stacy had no authority to take the kids anywhere or even to drive a car because Stacy was only 10 years old. It's not just kindness that restores people. Kindness coupled with authority is what brings forgiveness. Romans two four says that it's the kindness of God and his restraint, his patience that brings people to repentance. Jesus shows this kindness and authority in Matthew nine seven, which says just then some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said to themselves, he's blaspheming. Perceiving their thoughts, Jesus says, why are you thinking evil thoughts in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. So the man got up and went home. We often read this assuming that the paralyzed man was initially brought to Jesus to have his legs healed. That's why many people came to Jesus, to have their physical injuries healed. But this man seems to have come to Jesus to have his sins forgiven. And in his kindness, Jesus also healed the man's legs. Jesus has the authority to forgive, and his kindness leads to my repentance. Simeon is saved by faith, and it's a good thing. Joseph had authority. Simeon had faith in Benjamin for his redemption, faith in Joseph for his forgiveness, and faith in Judah for his protection. Simeon is protected by Judah. Judah protects Simeon two times. The first we've already seen. It was Judah who brought Benjamin to Egypt so Simeon could be set free. The second protection comes in the book of Joshua. When the tribes are given their land an inheritance. Joshua nineteen one, The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of his descendants by their clans, but their inheritance was within the inheritance given to Judah's descendants. If we look at a map, we see Judah is given a large inheritance in the south. Simeon, a smaller tribe, is given an inheritance within the geography of Judah. They are protected, And not just by a larger, more powerful tribe, also by a kingly tribe where the savior, king, Jesus, will come from. All of Judah would have to die before an enemy could get to Simeon. The tribe of Simeon has faith in the shepherd tribe of Judah to protect them. There's something we don't want to miss here. In Jacob's blessing of Simeon and Levi, he states, I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. How can this be if the tribe of Simeon is protected? It works out differently for Simeon and Levi, and today we're just talking about Simeon. Simeon's territory is in the south, but in the time of the later kings, when Assyria attacked from the north, the accounts tell us that ten northern tribes were taken and dispersed. Simeon is included with the ten northern tribes. What happened? Second Chronicles which was likely written during the Babylonian exile, gives us a clue. In 2 Chronicles 15, 9, and 36, or excuse me, 34, 6, the tribe of Simeon is listed as aligned with the northern tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. It seems that between the time of the judges and the kings, a significant portion of the tribe of Simeon migrated north and resettled in the large territory of Manasseh. We don't know why, but my speculation would be The famine that that is spoken about in the book of Ruth. The story of Ruth is driven by the fact that people are migrating to find food. Regardless of the reason, Simeon moved north and in doing so lost their protection by Judah. Benjamin and anyone who remained of the tribe of Simeon and in their inheritance land were not taken by the Assyrians. I see this as apparent. My duty and love is to protect my daughters. But at the same time, my duty and love is to train them to be grown women. They will always be my daughters. But they also have to learn at the right time to make their own choices. I can't protect them from every wrong choice they might make. But I do work to protect them from the wrong choices other people make. I also need a protector. Jesus says in John 10:11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, a shepherd from the tribe of Judah, is the one who protects us. Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus not only protects me with his death, but also with his life and authority. Jesus says in John 10:28 28-30, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. There's a protection in this life and in the next that is solid and can only be found in Jesus. But like the tribe of Simeon, I'm commanded to remain in that protection. Jesus says multiple times in John 15, remain in me, and those who do not remain in him are like cut branches that wither and eventually are burned. It's not that Jesus is unable to protect, but the protection is conditional on me remaining with Jesus. Simeon is saved by faith. It's a good thing Judah had power. Simeon had faith in his brothers, in Benjamin for his redemption, in Joseph for his forgiveness, And in Judah for his protection. His faith saw him through. But Benjamin, Joseph, and Judah could have let him down at any time. It's okay to have faith in people. But people are not perfect, even siblings. Fortunately, I have someone to go to that will never let me down. Proverbs 18.24 says, One with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. That friend that is closer than a brother that provides redemption, forgiveness, and protection is Jesus. Simeon's blessing was in the form of a rebuke. He, along with his brother Levi, murdered the men of the entire city. They were in need of forgiveness and a change of heart. Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for all sin so that we could be forgiven. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. I invite anyone to pray with me now to take that step of faith. God in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I'm a sinner and that I'm sorry for my sins and the life that I've lived. I need and ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus, your one and only son, lived a perfect life Then died on the cross, shedding his precious blood as payment for my sins. Jesus then rose from the dead, proving he defeated sin and death. I am now willing to turn away from my sin. In the Bible, Romans 10.9 says, If we confess Jesus as our Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So I now confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and take Jesus Christ as my only Savior who gives me life now and forever. Amen. The true mark of being in the community of God by faith is a changed life and an internal witness that I am a child of God. We witness our faith to other people by getting baptized, which we'll talk about in a later lesson. For our discipleship pathway, Living Stones, we like to give people a physical reminder of the spiritual change that has happened. And if you've not taken one in the past, and especially if you placed faith in Jesus for the first time today, I invite you to come get a sitting stone to remember that you have faith in Jesus, that you have confessed Jesus as Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead for your sins. Our prayer today is taken from Psalm 20. Let's pray. May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift the banner in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give, a, give victory to the king. May he answer us on the day that we call. Lord, we thank you that you have answered our call with help from your own son, Jesus, the only sacrifice that is sufficient and the one who was raised to new life with the power to raise us to new life. Strengthen us to live as people forgiven by you so that we may forgive others and in your kindness draw others to you. Amen. I leave you with the blessing, go forth and live as disciples, serving God with your whole being, knowing that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great exploits in God's name.